Welcome to Zero Broke Girls. I'm Jules. And I'm Joe. We started Zero Broke Girls as a way to empower women to take control of their money. We think the first step is to simply start talking about it. So that's what we're going to do. We're so grateful you've joined us for this week's episode. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back. Today we're going to be talking to Diana. Diana runs the Instagram page Money Boss Mama and focuses her content and services on helping single women, specifically single moms, tackle their spending and get their finances under control. I personally loved talking to Diana about all things kids, parenting, and cannot understate the amount of respect and awe I have for her and single parents across the board. Today, she'll walk us through her own financial journey and how she ultimately took back her financial story as well as how she's teaching her kids about money management. As a mom myself, I found her insights insanely valuable. We absolutely loved chatting with Diana. Let's get started. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're so excited. I guess we'll just jump right in. Um, Can you tell us about some of your early experiences with money? So I grew up in a two-parent household up until um, the end of third grade. And I vividly remember coming home the last day of school and my dad actually told me that it was going to be the last time I was in our home because my mom had gotten an apartment. And so for the majority of my childhood, I was raised by a single mom or single parents. And it wasn't until as an adult that I realized that my mom literally struggled growing up financially. She did not have um, a high level of financial literacy. So some experiences that have been like burned in the back of my head were uh, her always, she was always saying, I have to write a hot check. I'm going to have to write a hot check. I'm going to have to write a hot check uh, every time we were needing to get groceries because she would just never have enough money to cover it. And I often felt secondhand embarrassment, especially the times where um, the check bounced or the payment bounced and we had to leave the grocery cart full of food at the front of the store. And she normally kept it together during those times. But I remember like one time she just couldn't keep herself together. So she she was crying. And as a child, it's kind of hard to verbalize what you're experiencing and what you're seeing. Um, But I, I at least knew that this was not something that was was good. This was not something that was good. And so. A lot of my experiences were revolving around my mom. We can't afford it. We can't, I can't do that right now. I heard a lot of, um, we can't afford it. I'm going to have to write a hot check and just seeing her make sacrifices. And that honestly, when I became 16, I remember saying to myself, I am never going to go through that again. So even though it was 
some negative experiences. It helped mold me into the woman that I am today because I was very mindful going forward. Whenever I finally started making my own money, I did not want to become my mother. Yeah, that's a, that's a really hard thing to go through as a child. And even just, you know, going from a two-parent household to a one-parent household, I think can be really challenging at such a young age. You don't really understand. It didn't seem that bad at the time. And so you're an adult and you realize things and you're like, wow, like we we had some experiences and it shaped so much of who we are. You know, and did as, she feel about it a lot when you were little or did she shield you from as much as she could? No. So we finances were never talked about in the home. Um, and I don't think it was talked about in the home when it came to her um, as well. She was the result of being basically a stay-at-home mom when she was married to my dad. He was over the finances. He was the provider. We just had that old Southern way of living. And so now she's thrust into this world where she has to take care of three kids. And she literally has no idea how to properly manage her money. I think of a, lo- a lot of it was just a lack of financial literacy. Three kids. Yeah, that's a lot. And I mean, a lack of financial literacy. There's so much of that, right? Yeah. It's been something that we're talking to. A lot of our guests are just really passionate about bringing things like financial literacy into the school systems because if you're not taught it at home, you don't you don't learn it. So you said that those experiences kind of influenced you in a way that avoided some of maybe the money mistakes or wanted to have a different experience with money. Mm -hmm. Can you think of, you know, some major money mindset shifts that you had to make along the way so that you weren't in that same situation? Mm -hmm. So I want to make it clear that I was not, even though I had some smart Uh, I made some smart decisions very young. I will say that looking back, I was not the smartest when it came to my money. So I did, I did have a lot of um, issues with emotional spending, like, you know, impulsively having to go out and purchase things, putting things on credit cards because money was not talked about um, in the home, but it wasn't until I had my first child. Um, I got pregnant at 20 and I had her a month after I turned 21. So I still consider myself um, a child in a sense, because um, that's like the age where we learn. We're kind of thrust out into this world of personal finance, but if it's not talked about in the home, we literally have no idea what we're doing. It's just like trial and error and, Oftentimes, unfortunately, a lot of women get stuck in the the error phase, the trial and error phase. They don't necessarily overcome it. They're just repeating these cycles. And so there came a point in time where I realized I was becoming my mom when it came to my daughter. I couldn't afford her. I am having meltdowns after she goes to sleep because I'm living on a credit card. And so it when my back was up against the wall, I literally felt like I had nothing to lose. So it came a point where I'm like, mentally, if you're not thriving now, not doing anything, keep doing the same things, then what do you have to lose to try this new route? 
what do you have to lose to try to pay off this debt and to try to have more than just the minimum uh, balance in your savings account? You know, they require you have like five, ten dollars. That's literally all I would keep in there because I'm borrowing from it. So mentally, I had to take a chance on myself. I literally just jumped off the cliff with it and I adopted this what's the worst that can happen mentality because um I feel like you have to get to this point where you have nothing else to lose you have to bet on yourself otherwise fear is going to continue to paralyze you and you're not going to move forward so it came a point where I had to realize when I became my mom my experiences they don't define me they don't get to define me um I get to define myself so I had to take back power and authority over my experiences and upbringing and realize that this has nothing to do with me. That's just what my circumstances were at that time. But now as an adult, now that I'm realizing these things, I get to take back power and I get to define what financial success and wealth and um, abundance means to me. And that allowed me to step over my circumstances, like they still have a hold on you, but it allows me to continue to move forward. And as I'm proving to myself, I can do it by making little steps. Mm -hmm. Then I'm realizing like, Hey, things are changing. And it, it just empowers and motivates you to stay consistent and keep going, you know? And do you remember what some of the first like small steps you made were outside of the mindset stuff? So outside of mindset, the first steps I made were I was I created my first budget. I still have my first budget. So I sat down and I'm like, I'm working, but I I literally have no money. Where is my money going? Because I literally have (laughs) where does my money go? We're always asking that question. And I, I get a lot of people that say the same thing, like, I don't know where my money is going. You've got to know where your money is going because if you're wondering where it went, then it's not going to you. Like it's going right. somewhere else, right? Exactly. And so I had I made a little budget. And then from there, I realized that I was paying out more than what I was bringing in, which was one of my, my main issues. I would not have ever realized that if I did not take the time to sit down. Um, and then when I realized that I'm eating most of my money and I'm, spending it on things that I like hair nails at that time I had to cut back and reduce some of those things because when they're looking straight at you you can't run from it anymore like it's all laid out and so it's a lot easier to go through and pinpoint what it is that you do have available to cut and reduce and then from there I was able to apply like an extra 10 or 20 dollars to my debts it's crazy how fast your money goes if you yeah you aren't aware and sometimes it is easier just to avoid it yeah you just don't you know it's bad but you don't it's like when you look at it you can't run from it anymore yeah and then there's like the you can just do the minimum payment on the credit card and it's so much easier and makes you feel a little better like at least I'm making my minimum payment and never explaining compound interest probably (laughs) that is for your credit just don't know so why or when I guess is the question when and why did you start money boss mama so I started money boss mama like at the end of 2018 I had a blog before like when I started my debt-free journey I had started it before and like a lot of people I quit 
I was in my head. I'm like, this little extra $10, $20 is not doing anything. This is a joke. I just don't make enough. I can't do it. And so I quit. And then when I realized that I'm drowning in credit card payments and debts, I decided once again, okay, what will it hurt to try it again? So I created a blog. It was called A Debt-Free Journey. And I was documenting my debt payoff uh, progress. I'm like, if I put it out on the internet, even though no one was reading it in the beginning, besides me, um, then I would be forced to stay consistent. And then it started to gain traction. It's like other people like me, they look like me, they're um, a single mom or they're a, a single income household. And they were young. I was young, a black single mom, and I did not see a lot of that in the personal finance community. So I, when I started to gain um, traction, I changed it from more so like a, like a little blog that's following me to more of a how-to. And then when I realized I have a gift, like I can, as I'm learning, I like to teach. I like to teach and I have people that are willing to listen to me. Even though I, I didn't say all the words right, I still don't. I still don't know a lot. Uh, like with investing, I feel like it's a foreign language still, but I was good at what I knew because I was going through it. And so I made the decision to shift from just talking about debt to Money Boss Mama, because Money Boss Mama embodied all of who I was. I was a mom. I was trying to step into the entrepreneur world. So I wanted to be my own boss eventually. And I love talking about mom uh, money. So I incorporated it all into what's now become Money Boss Mama to really help other people that look like me uh, feel like they're not alone and they have somebody to go to to learn from because, you know, money is not often talked about. And it's so interesting, too, because so many of the professionals mm-hmm. think it's so complicated. And oh, most yeah. people just need the basics, like yeah. practical, real-life, no fancy words, like mm-hmm. no fancy models, just spend less than you make. And sometimes on how to do that. And it's it's such an interesting space too, because like when we came across your profile, I hadn't seen, and I still haven't seen any other personal finance influencers who target single moms, but there's so many of them. Yeah. And you yeah. have very different challenges than two income households. It's a totally different ballgame managing household expenses with one income. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you started as a, you're accountable to the blog, keep you making sure that you're staying on top of it. And then once you learned and got better at it, you could then figure out how to help people like you that had probably some similar challenges. So you're very passionate about helping single women, single moms. And like Joe said, they do have different financial challenges. Can you talk a little bit about what some of those different financial challenges that uh, single women and single moms would face specifically? As I speak to other single moms, I notice the main challenge is, of course, uh, mindset, confidence. Confidence is something that I pick up on a lot. Um, we, I feel like because we are single women, and moms in general, we just lack this confidence as like, how am I going to 
be able to do all these things that people say that I need to do. I need to save. I need to invest. Um, I, I need to pay off debt. How can I do all this if I'm on a single income, you know, and I have other other people to care for? So we have this lack of confidence that trickles down into how we actually manage our money. We're overcompensating emotional spending, just trying to self-soothe and get ourselves through that. Um, I think uh, the, another problem is we just don't know where our money is going. Going back to what I was saying before, it's like we have our bills. We know when our bills are due and how much they are. But I find that a lot of people, they don't have a spending plan. They just don't have a spending plan because it's intimidating. They don't want to look at their complete financial picture. It's so intimidating to them. When you say spending plan, like, would that be the same thing as a budget? Yes. So I try to switch it up between budget and spending plan because they hear the word budget and they want to run. Well, <laughs> I like. I feel like a spending plan sounds so much better than a budget. It really does. It, it yeah. Is, I just can't help but think about being a single mom. Is like, so I have a, a two-year-old son, um, and it's so it can be so emotionally draining just dealing with kids and their lack of sleep or pattern where they don't want to eat or they don't want to wear their clothes that day whatever it is all of that to then have the emotional bandwidth or mental capacity to then take on something that you are really intimidated by i can't even imagine yeah. the roadblock that that is because there's no one to offload it to yeah or do you find other people to offload it to? I don't know. I feel like that is that is a huge dilemma. And you have to, because sometimes it, you may not ha- find anyone, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that understands yeah. and that you can actually speak with. Um, so you have to learn how to be very introspective. Mm-hmm and analyze your own thoughts. You have to learn how to be your own cheerleader because at the end of the day, it's up to you to do it. No one else can do it for you. No one else can motivate you more than you. And you're often your own roadblock. So if you are your own roadblock and you are your biggest critic, it's you that you need to nurture so that you get yourself to a place where you allow yourself to learn and to change and to try new things. And I think that's something, too, that a lot of single uh, women struggle with changing because yeah. it's scary. It's scary. You know? So it can be so emotionally draining. Yeah. On top of like every mom I know is already emotionally draining. <laughs> <laughs> we want stability and like the, shifting your finances requires a huge change. There's nothing in your hand that says that it's going to work out. And so it's like, how do I continue to move forward if I don't know how this is going to end? And the other thing, too, especially for first-time moms, is there's so much financial uncertainty. Like, you don't know if you're going to breastfeed or if you're going to have to buy formula. You don't know all the things that you need. You don't know what your kid's your kid's going to have a special need or a special dietary restriction. And there's just so many unknowns. It can add up so fast without even... Like in the first few weeks, you could go from having what you think hundred to a few thousand, and it's so overwhelming. So, one of the things you talk about on your page a lot that I absolutely love is teaching your kids about money, mm-hmm. and this is something that I think about a lot with my own son because 
I think my parents did a decent job teaching me about money, but I have no recollection of how they did it. Um, so how are you teaching your kids about money? So kids are very emotional, right? <laughs> Extremely emotional. They navigate the world through emotions. So one way with my daughter, she, she's almost nine. So I focus mostly on her because my son is too young to really grasp it. Um, so with my daughter, I tend to make her part of the budgeting process because that allows them to not only um, get some insight on how to create a spending plan, but it makes them feel like they're part of it. And so when it comes to certain things like our personal funds or our eating out budget, we'll go through and depending on how much I allocate, we get together and we decide how we're going to use it. And also when it comes to our entertainment funds, I, she actually gets to keep up with how much we have left. So if we have $100 a paycheck and we're down to $50, if she wants to go to the jump zone place, I'm like, well, we have $50. And if it costs X, Y, Z, then we'll only have you know this amount of money left until payday. You have to bring it down to their level, obviously. And if it, you find that it's something that lights them up, like, you know, your children more than anyone else, right? And so, you know what their interests are. Based on their interests, what is something that you can do to incorporate money in their interests? Like with my daughter, she wants her room painted. She has this obsession with painting her rooms and we can't do that right now but I let her in on our new savings goal which is to save a down payment and so if she gets off off track and she wants to whine and kick and scream like she sees other kids have things like new cars so she wants a new car now but I bring it down to her level okay if you want to paint your walls and we go and get a new car that's going to set us back about twenty thousand dollars right? And you're going to have to wait a little longer for us to get into this new home so you can paint your walls. And then that allows her time to really think on it, think thoroughly. And she normally comes to a good decision, but I, I bring it down to her level and include something that she actually wants or she's interested in so that, you know, it sticks because we can tell them things, but if we don't allow them to be hands-on or break it down in a way where it actually it's something they, they want to listen to is going to go into one ear and out the other. Well, and it's so hard with kids because like they can see their friends get things or people in the neighborhood have things. And I think the underlying assumption is just that everybody can afford it. Like if mm -hmm. you want a new car, you can afford that new car. Meanwhile, they may actually not be able to afford that car. And kids don't really like at that age, they don't quite understand you can have money that's not yours or you can spend money that you don't have. So I think it's really cool that your daughter's involved in your spending plan. So she actually knows. She still has her moments, but delayed gratification is something we definitely work on. And um, I just try to find ways to make it fun. Like for whatever it is that she wants, we set up a sinking fund so she can visually see, you know, how much we have left to go. And I think that that, if you don't nip that in the bud early, we're going to go out and become emotional spenders or impulse spenders in adulthood. You know, I work on that because that was my problem. One thing I'm interested in for you, what are your opinions or thoughts on allowances? This is something I hear so many different parents 
with very polar thoughts on. I don't yet have an opinion on allowances because I didn't realize how polarizing it was. Uh, yeah, it's like your- a touchy subject, right? It I mean, is. I didn't realize how heated it can get until I came to Instagram about it. But with allowances, I my daughter gets an allowance. And I think that it depends on your perception of it. If you feel like an allowance is um, you just give money to your kids every time you get paid, they get a certain amount, um, then I can see where the debate comes into. But for me, I see an allowance as an opportunity, an opportunity for her to be hands-on, an opportunity for me to actually physically implement the things that I'm verbally saying with her. And so I want to give her an opportunity to manage her own money so she can budget her own money. And I give her an opportunity to get the things that she wants whenever she saves up enough. That allows me to make sure that whatever I'm teaching her is actually going to stick because she's more hands-on with it. So that's my perception of it. I think that it just all depends on how you're going about it. I like to think of it as an opportunity, not not an allowance. Well, and again, going back to the, she's learning delayed gratification, which I think there's so many studies that show that just kids that learn about delayed gratification and can apply it are just set up for so much more success in all areas in their life right it's so important and then it's amazing too because she's nine and she's learning the opportunity cost of money which I think is it can be kind of a complex idea for people to grasp and so it's amazing that she's learning that at nine and that you're you're able to uh, teach her that just through being very intentional about how you manage money as a family with your spending plans, but also then her managing her own money and saving up to get her own things. Yeah. If you work for her allowance, like, do you have things that she has to do in order to get it or? Oh yeah. Oh yes. So I don't. (laughs) Debate is like, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I think that's where the debate is, but I think it also gets them um, into the habit of knowing that they are deserving to be paid for their work. (laughs) and their worth you know and they develop a strong work ethic too so it's like a win-win yeah oh for sure so then what would you say like what advice would you give to mothers who want to teach their children about money or who want their children to have a different relationship to money that maybe they had but don't really know where to start like what's a great starting point I think it's always best to start with yourself because where they are right now as children will have an effect on who they are as an adult. And if you've had certain experiences and observations, like maybe you grew up without basic needs being met, you're going to project that on how you um, manage your money when it comes to your children and they're watching you. Like whether you realize it or not, they're watching you and they're they learning pick up so many things. Yeah, and it's like I didn't even realize you were watching me, right? And so if we're not healed when it comes to you know our money mindset, they're going to develop that same those same habits, and that's how that cycle stays in rotation. They're just going to become who you are, and so you have to really go back and work on 
your mentality and make sure that whatever you're doing, you're, you're being an example. It's not, it's more like, you know, don't do the, don't do what I do thing. That's not going to work. You have to do it. Right. And then teach them what you wish you would have known. Like we always say, I wish I would have known this, or I wish I would have known that. Learn it. And then when you learn it, teach it to them so that they have a chance to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's interesting. That's our next question. And this is something <laughs> we love to hear, especially from people who have been on such a thoughtful journey and who are so self-aware about their own financial situation. But what is something, and if you have more than one, we'll take everything you have. But what is something you wish you knew earlier about money or even a misconception you had about money? Anything like that. I wish I would have known first that money is simply just a tool. It's just a tool that you use to build the life that you desire. I feel like I had this fear. Like I was a money avoider and I didn't even realize it. I didn't feel like I was worthy of it. Um, I felt like money would change. Money was evil. You know, we all, some, some of us, a lot of us have this common money script that we carry around you know money is evil and I just want xyz we don't allow ourselves to seek out opportunities for more money even though we have a whole bucket list of things that we want to do so that just seeing money as a tool basically and then I think that the second thing I wish I would have learned is that money opens up many doors for new opportunities I did not realize until I started to pay off debt how much of my day-to-day revolved around my finances, where I was currently. So I'm in debt. I have no savings. I had jobs I hated. I could not leave. I felt bald and chained to these jobs. I felt bald and chained to specific situations that maybe weren't good for me. Um, But I stayed there because I feel like I did not have an opportunity to seek better. But as you lower your debts, you increase your savings, there comes about this certain confidence in yourself and you advocate for yourself more because you realize you have access to better. You have the opportunity to leave. And I feel like when we feel confident and we feel secure and stable, then we allow ourselves to elevate maybe to the women that, the woman we aspire to be in our head that we try to force ourselves to believe that we we can't be, or we don't deserve to be. Um, there's a there's a certain sense of confidence and stability that comes with proper money management. And it's, I would love your thoughts because you've been kind of on both sides of the journey. But did your did your feeling of kind of worthiness or self worth change as you became more confident with money? Absolutely. One, 1,000%. The craziest lesson that I learned throughout my debt-free journey coming out of it was that I am not the woman that I started my debt-free journey as. I'm completely different. My values have changed. You know, my perception of things have changed. And I say that you start your journey to improve your finances and you don't even realize that um, you're, you're changing yourself. Mm-hmm. unconsciously you're going through this transformation it's not just a transformation of your finances it's a transformation uh, of you as well because finances permeate everything in your yeah. life 
And when you're stressed about money, you're literally stressed about everything. Mm. It's well, everything. the mental, like you talk about emotionally draining. I mean, being in debt is also that way, right? And you feel like it can be very draining. Yeah. You know, I saw this post on Instagram the other day and it was like, do I really suffer from anxiety and depression or am I just underpaid? Am I just borderline poverty you know and it yeah. I was like wow <laughs> yeah oh, that is good so you talked about confidence being a major mindset shift what other mindset shifts or mindset I would say like struggles do the women that you're helping have and how would you suggest what's a great step for trying to move past it if someone decides to be okay, I, I, uh, I want to do more. I want to change my money mindset. How do they go about doing that? I think with a lot of people, especially as women, we suffer from emotional spending. Like spending gives us this temporary sense of relief. And so our situation causes so much anxiety that we don't want to face it. So we avoid it. And in order to avoid it, we go out and we spend money. We know we shouldn't be spending on food, clothes, just whatever it is to fill that void. And I think one thing that you really have to sit down and do is number one, face your fears head on, because whatever that fear is, it's in the driver's seat. Like it literally has complete control over your money. It's, I say that the quote, um, no better, do better is highly debatable because we know we shouldn't be overspending. You know, we know we should be on a budget. We know we should be saving money, but we don't do it. We don't do it. Right. So it's highly debatable. You have to face your fears, stare them down. Otherwise, they're going to completely have control over your finances. And to do that, you have to face them and flip them. How can you make them work in your favor, right? What can you do to make it to where these fears don't have this paralyzing effect on you and you can actually walk with them and move forward with them? And I think identifying your triggers is something that is a complete must. Like what is triggering you to go out and go out to eat every single day, eating through your paycheck? What is it? Is it your job? Is it your relationship? Is it just the fear that you can't confidently support yourself? And once you know those triggers, you can go through and identify like, is this valid? Is this even a valid fear, right? Is it valid? And most often it's not. It's just the reality we've created in our head. And when you know your triggers, you know what to look out for because you know what routine that it causes. And then you can start to redirect those things. Like, what can I do instead of when I feel overwhelmed because I'm stuck in traffic and I want to go and grab a bite to eat to soothe myself? What can I do to redirect the, this thought that creates this, this action, right? And then from there, it takes daily mindfulness. Have a proactive uh, routine in place to replace the old one, I should say. And then be intentional about whenever this trigger comes up going straight into that new routine yeah we were big proponents of like looking at your your own data so like a lot mm. of uh, it's amazing how many people never really look at their own statements or in detail like obviously look at oh yeah 
um, and how much, how many patterns and habits and things you can find in those statements where you're like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> but if you don't look, you will never know. Mm-hmm. And like awareness, I think, on that kind of stuff is halfway. I mean, oh. I think the proactivity is the second half. You can't, you have to build other habits to get out of those. But you can't, you have to look, you have to look and see what's under the hood. Well, you're probably doing some <laughs> expensive things. Yeah. What happened for me was, so I wasn't looking very much, but then like, as I started to kind of take more control and get more confident, I actually loved looking. And then all of a sudden there was this shift and I always wanted to be looking. It's that momentum. And you right? feel yeah. And so then you're no longer scared of your statements. Yeah. You're like, oh, like, let's see what's going on. It's like, I try to teach my clients, like, just do one thing commit to doing one thing to build more awareness around your finances. And so it becomes like less scary, less anxiety inducing. The more you do it, like check your bank account once a day, every single day. And then you're going to stop eventually running from it. And it becomes more of a habit, you know, muscle memory. Oh, I need to check my bank account. See what's going on. See who stole my credit card today. You'll never catch that. Like someone could be looping it up on your account and you would never know. (laughs) Oh, that's great advice. If if like looking at your balance is something that scares you, if you just, you know, make that a habit and start doing it pretty soon, you won't be scared of it anymore. Yeah. I think it's the fear of the unknown. Honestly, if you've never done it and you know it's bad or you think it's bad. Yeah. We always make it worse in our heads. And then yeah. after we do it, it was like, it's, why, what was I even all worked up about? Wasn't even that lots of things that they're like irrationally avoidant of and I think for women money is a very dominator in that conversation so you talked about putting together a spending plan what would be the best first step like is it just writing down what you think you spend like if someone's never put together a spending plan before how would you go about it so I always say start with your essential expenses first, like your bills, because those are the easiest. They're the same amount. Most of them are the same amount every single month or at a a certain time of the month, every single time. And so you start with them first and then you work your way into like the variable expenses, the ones that everyone gets super confused over because they fluctuate based on usage. So like your light bill, water bill. I always recommend gathering like your last three to four billing statements. And then you can find the average and add a like a 10 to $20 buffer um, or use the the highest amount as your baseline for right now until you actually get into working out your spending plan. And then you have a couple more bills to kind of compare to. Um, And then I always say leave your discretionary spending to the last, the last part, like your non-essentials, the eating out, the gym memberships, things basically that you can live without. And I purposely say leave those at the end because it forces you to fit those expenses within the rest of your income. So whatever it is that you have left over based on how you want to budget, whether it's monthly, bi-weekly, whatever, based on your income. You've taken out your essentials. You've taken out the variable expenses. Now you have to make the not essentials fit. And it's going to force you to 
really look and second guess, do I need this? Do I need to spend this much on this? You know? And if you don't know how much you're spending, like we were saying earlier, you got to look through the bank statements. You've got to see how much am I spending on eating out? How much am I spending on beauty or things like that? And how much am I spending on groceries? If you want to be spending money on those things, or are you just doing it because you're lazy or yeah. <laughs> you don't even realize that you're spending money there and you're like, I didn't need this. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's going to be the hardest part is just making those last few expenses fit and then really asking yourself those tough questions. You've got to get uncomfortable, especially in the beginning. So some things are going to have to go. Some things are going to have to be reduced. And that's where your values, you've got to know your values when you're creating your budget, you know? Yeah. So that you can make sure you're spending a lot aligned to those values, right? Well, honestly, thank you so much for coming on. This was absolutely lovely. Yeah, so much, so much great advice. Enjoy this. It was a good combo. It was so fun. Thank you. And best of luck with Money Boss Mama. Thank you. We'll be following along. Y'all have a good day. Don't forget to subscribe and join us every Tuesday for a money date wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Zero Broke Girls for details on upcoming episodes, how to find our guests and more. As always, if anything you hear sparks something you'd like to talk or learn about, let us know. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us. We can't wait to chat next week.